What up, world? I am Mike Richmond, Blazers beat writer and pass first point guard, and this is another episode of Locked On Blazers. And it is a very special one, y'all, because for those of you who are longtime listeners to my podcast, I'm bringing back my friend Chuck, Charles Tuggle, basketball hoop fan, and also just a good pal of mine, Chuck. Charles, what's poppin', dude? Not a man. Happy to be back. Uh, long, long sort of uh, furlough for me, uh, but been working on... Yeah, cool 14 months <laughs> off. A cool 14 months off, but you're back, baby. You've been working on my game, though, and ready to shine. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's like you had a serious injury, and so you had to miss the season and a little bit of the next one, but now, like... You know, Gordon Hayward looks like he's okay on one night a month. <laughs> I'm totally on my Gordon Hayward right now, but I'm really going to try hard. <laughs> yeah, you're going to score like 14 points in this podcast and everyone's going to be like, hell yeah, we're, that's worth $30 million. Let's do it. Are, are you back, Charles? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow we're going to read so many Is Charles Back stories. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about uh, many Blazers things on this bad boy. Uh, the, since I, we last recorded the Blazers beat the Pistons, uh, we'll talk about that game first. And then we'll just uh, kind of whip around the Blazers universe with Charles, talk a little bit about what he likes uh, about this Blazers roster since we haven't heard from him in a year. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about where he thinks the Blazers might finish in the playoffs and their preferred playoff opponents and all things like that. But let's start... Uh, Saturday night's game, the Blazers beat the Pistons to improve to three and zero on this homestand. Uh, pretty, pretty fun little game, Charles. Uh, what, what, what stood out to you about that comeback win? Uh, a lot of grit to sort of get through it in the end. It, the Pistons are a tough team, actually, and I've really sort of come a long way since bringing on Blake Griffin. Um, uh, Blazers finish off just strong. I think fourteen three run it was um, to finish out the game um, with um, Dame doing a big thing or two. Nurkic asserting himself as well. Um, big dunk there at the end. And um, Aminu coming up really big with some, um, I guess, just typical kind of Aminu, Aminu plays. Um, <laughs> good hustle. Uh, big sort of rebound at the end there. Um, and make it. Yeah, that rebound and heads up uh, putback was um, was kind of Aminu 2.0 where he's he's like – it's not just that he's in the right place at the right time, but he actually like put he made sure he was in the right place at the right time. It wasn't he wasn't standing still. He was crashing the boards and and grabbing a loose ball. And I thought he had a huge defensive rebound down the stretch too against Drummond. He was uh, he was really oh, good. Yeah, oh yeah, the big one over Drummond was massive. Uh, Drummond Drummond's a handful. Uh, so so for, yeah. for Aminu to scrap and sort of uh, make his presence felt at the end of the game is is always good to see. And the Blazers are always playing better when Aminu is um, uh, is active and engaged, and he often is. Yeah, the the Pistons only had six offensive rebounds and only four second chance points in that game. Wow, that's shocking, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I, they uh, the Blazers. I thought that was the really big thing. So they just kept rebounding. Um, you know, Cantor actually had a had a decent had a decent spurt backing up Nurk, and I thought Nurk was just really really good down the stretch. He was fantastic. Totally, totally. Uh, he's been huge for for the Blazers all year. Um, consistent for the the first sort of long stretch in his Blazer career, even though when he first came over in that late season trade um, for Plumlee, he, w- he was really electric. But uh, I thought his second year, full year, was ups and downs, and he's been very, very solid this year, and it's helped the Blazers improve immensely, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, he's he's the Blazers' second-best player. Like, I think all year he's pretty much been their second-best player. He's, he's that good. I would completely agree. Um, with CJ having a good year, of course, and being such an important scorer for them, um, but but... Nurkic adds more on both ends of the floor. 
Yeah, he, and, and and like you said, he's just like been consistent. Even when he's had little lulls in the season, he's had kind of like normal, uh, a bad week here and there type of lulls. He hasn't had like he hasn't had these like big struggle months like uh, mm-hmm. you know he, like he had in, the, in in his first full season with the Blazers. He's been really good. I I think um, if the if most improved player wasn't like basically just going to go to Pascal Siakam, <laughs> well then, deserved, then Nurkic, really well deserved. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's his award; he deserves it. I'm not sure why he didn't make the All Star team. I have no idea why Kyle Lowry made the All Star team over Pascal Siakam. He's obviously their second best player. He's he's like he's he that it's his award. Congratulations, um, a fun player to watch. But if it wasn't for him, Nurk would be in like a sort of like a long and interesting line of people who I think deserve consideration. Yeah, yeah, I think to. To push back a little bit, maybe he didn't have the jump in numbers really sometimes that you see those winners getting, um, but, sure. but his consistency and how he's helped the Blazers improve, um, I think is pretty evident to anyone that, that watches the Blazers consistently and any other sort of NBA junkies. Um, so to get a sort of look in and maybe he would get some votes um, would, would be deserved, even though Siakam's been been tremendous this year. Yeah, no, and I think you're right, though. That that award, and kind of like six-man award, too, is just like, which player scored more points than he did last year? <laughs> like, Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a bit of a basic sort of metric to go by, but uh, that seems to be how it goes often, and uh, that doesn't mean that it's um, not, not instructive in a way also. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get into sort of more, uh, more specific stuff, I, I think, and, and I think the, the Pistons game, even though he didn't have like, a crazy game, but he had 28 and nine. And like, that's where we're at 28, nine and six for Dame is like a very, is like a, a normal game. I think this is the best we've seen Damian Lillard play. I said that in the last podcast, you got to agree, right? Like if you disagree with me, I'm, I'm flying to DC and fighting you right now. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Um, it, it's funny though. Cause if you would have sort of asked me that flat out, um, I, I'm not so sure I would have totally agreed because I just think Dame's been playing at a super high level for a few seasons now. Um, and he does right. seem to, improve this or that um, in his game kind of incrementally every year, which is totally the sign of a really great player that that is constantly working in the offseason to improve their game. But he's just been an elite top point guard for, for a few years now. That, that's just simply who he is. Um, but he looks to be in great form right now um, and, and not forcing a lot of things as well. Um, he's totally found kind of his, his pace um, in games and throughout the season, and he seems super healthy. Um, so I, I think he's in great shape and great form um, heading into the playoffs and undoubtedly their leader and will continue to be so. Yeah, his ability just to sort of like pick his spots so so specifically this year, like, OK, I'm going to attack now um, or, you know, I'll or, oh, the defense is coming. Yeah, just kidding. I'm going to like I'll instead I'll like find Nurk in the middle of the court or I'll like look to Nurk, bring a defender, whip it over to Aminu on the, on the wing. Like he just, the way he's manipulating the Mm -hmm. game is really impressive. He's, um, he's taken to his game to a next level. Yeah. His, the two man game with Nurkic has totally improved their chemistry. Totally. Um, And and that helps so much. His passing, little pocket passes and the timing of the passes. And uh, Nurkic is is smart too, with good hands and, and he's become kind of a better roller to the rim also. And, and avoiding some of those kind of offensive fouls and, and charges also that he got a lot in his first time with the Blazers. So uh, them totally. as a pair he's, is, he's, is, is, is really, really efficient and effective. Yeah, yeah he's, he's I think, and, and Dame deserves some credit for like helping Nurk mature. It's like, listen, this is how you're going to get the ball. Like you're going to catch it at 17 feet and you're going to have to make a decision. 
you're, you, you weigh 280 pounds. If you bump into someone, they're going to call you for a charge. If you shuffle your feet and you're a giant person, they're going to call you for a travel. Like, them's the rules. So, you know, just take your time and, like, be bigger than everyone else. And Nurk has done a really good job for most of the season at remembering that he's bigger than everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The team clearly has has faith in Nurkic as well. And uh, you, you can tell from the on-court and even some, like, off-court sort of content that comes out that Nurkic and Lillard are, are, are pretty close and... and, and Lillard does a great job sort of mentoring him. Um, and, and Nurkic had some really nice things to say about him um, in that little uh, that little ESPN segment he did on SportsCenter when they were in Los Angeles the other week, um, along with, along oh, with yeah. those other <laughs> funny anecdotes about Kobe cursing in, in Serbian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, that was what really stood out to me is that Nurk is surprised that Kobe knows swear words in Serbian because I would assume Kobe Bryant knows swear words in every language mm-hmm. spoken on mm-hmm. earth so he can cuss out anyone at any time. Yeah, yeah. And off the top of my head, I, uh, uh, Sasha Vujicic, uh, does he speak Serbian? I don't remember where he's from. Um, I know that's there, a pretty I know good guess. Sev- so he was, so he learned, you're there. saying he learned it to cuss, cuss out Sasha Vujicic? Almost surely. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe trusted Vujicic, you know. He had, he had big. Oh, moments I mean, he in was classically getting yelled at. Yeah, he's Slovenian, so yeah, that's you're. He's at. Uh, that's at least the right part of the world for to know the basic swear words. Yeah, Kobe would just you know cover his bases and just learn all the sort of languages in the former Yugoslavian area. Exactly, exactly. He just goes over it one weekend and learns how to cuss everyone out that he might come across. <laughs> Yeah, great stuff. But in that interview, you know, Nurkic had said, oh, Dame is like, you know, one of my best boys. I can call him whenever and I can rely on him. And and the, the chemistry on the court reflects that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like, also, I feel like we Nurk is 24 and this is like he's coming into his own and we're like, we like when he came to the Blazers, we kind of got to watch him mature. And this is sort of like that next natural step. You know, you come out hot, you have a, you have a down year and then he's like, he's back baby. And he looks good. I mean, I I think the Blazers real advantage is depending on who they play in the playoffs is that not a lot of teams, or at least not every team they might face in the playoffs. And we'll talk about this a little later. Have like a, have someone who can hang with Nurk, like have someone who can hang with how big and how strong he is. Totally. He's a handful. All right, let's uh, let's take a, a short break. Um, but when we get back, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the additions of Ennis Cantor and Ronnie Hood and get Charles's opinions on those two guys. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys a little bit about Wise. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. It's packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. They got 1080p full HD, so their images are so clear you won't miss a thing. They got night vision and two-way audio. Wise really has it all. And their mission is to make smart home products accessible for everyone. That's why they don't have a subscription. There's no subscription fee, that's right. You can get it $20 per camera and set it up in your home. And when you set it up in your home, you can watch the live stream from your app, from an app on your smart device, anywhere you are. You can connect with life as it unfolds in sharp focus. And they have an 8x digital zoom on those cameras, so nothing is too small for Wise. Plus, they give you a free rolling 14-day cloud storage, so the, the images you capture on their devices stay with you for two, up to two weeks and you can check in on them. And if you want more than that, Wise can do that too. For just 10 bucks more, so $30, the Wise Cam pan gives you a 360 coverage in under three seconds. It's also got a 93 degree vertical range, 110 degree per second rotation speed. 
It works with Alexa. And like I said, you get a free rolling 14-day cloud storage. This works clear on your mobile device or your laptop, wherever you are. So if you want to get a guaranteed low price, you want to get locked in and try one of these Wise cameras out today, you can go to wise.com slash lockedonblazers and you'll get the guaranteed lowest price. All right, welcome back. Still Locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. I am with my friend Chuck, Charles Tuggle, a ghost of podcast past. Charles, um, we have not, I mean, maybe me and you have spoken about this, but the world has not heard us speak about the additions of Ennis Cantor and Rodney Hood and what they mean for the Blazers. What do you like about those two guys? You can take them individually or as a group or however you want to approach that one. Yeah, I think they're actually really great acquisitions. Um, they're not acquisitions that um, sent me kind of over the moon when they happened, but I think they're both shrewd moves from Neil O'Shea um, and in, in their own sort of rights. Be careful about um, po- about praising Neil in public. People will come for you. <laughs> no, I've, in past episodes, I've been critical of him and can still criticize him, I think, fairly. But uh, now I'm not going to because I think they're good moves that help the team. Um, I think you can ask how much do they help the team and and how much can they help the team in the playoffs are very fair questions. But without a doubt, they add some depth um, and improve the team uh, enough to sort of take them to the next next level. Whatever that means, I don't know. Um, But with Hood, you have a guy who can create his own shot. Um, A very streaky guy. That's that's a good and a bad thing. Um, totally. Like that five, that fourth quarter in Charlotte when he scored 21, it's like, oh, that's a good streaky Rodney Hood. But, you know, prior to that, he had had a pretty bad week coming into that game. Right, right, right. So you, when you can sort of catch those moments, and that's an exceptional sort of streak, but he totally. he can do that with his shooting ability and, and his height and kind of high release point on his jump. And being extremely um, left-handed. Yeah, exactly. He's a shifty sort of style of play like all lefties. Yeah, he really is. He's a left-handed guy, no doubt about it. His style is extremely left-handed. <laughs> and 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 so that's going to help if he can, you know, string together nine points off the bench in a few minutes um, when Dame or someone else is sitting or, or they just need some buckets. Um, and then Cantor, uh, I think Cantor is kind of like a known quantity in this league. Um, defensively suspect. Yeah, he's bad. He's straight up bad suspect. on defense. Uh, and I don't really get it. We can talk about that if you want, but but his offensive game is is also a known quantity. He's uh, he's incredibly strong, great feet, great hands, uh, and can just put the ball in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> he he gives them an element that they didn't have, which is like a backup center who can really kind of score on the block. And like I, I think Myers's offense is intriguing more than it is effective. Like you like oh a seven one guy who can roll to the rim and finish lobs, but can also shoot a little bit. But he you know he. He can. Uh, it, it's easier to guard Myers with a little guy because he can't punish you in the post the same way, and he's just not the rebounder that that Cantor is. Cantor's offensive rebounding has, um, and I've banged on him on this podcast. Is like he has some real issues, and the Blazers are not good, sort of plus minus wise when he plays. But what he brings to the table, they don't have. Like he's he's a, he is a really solid rebounder, um, and he's self sufficient in that way. Like he can just go grab rebounds. Um, I banged on Cantor's plus minus, and he's had two weeks, two games this week where he's been in the positive. So, um, you know, maybe he's trending in the right direction, and I'm a hater. It, it's happened in the past, but I, I agree with you yeah. about what you're saying about Rodney. Like, I think he's, I think he brings a dimension that they definitely didn't have. Um, as good as Jake Lehman has been, he's not the sort of like create your own shot. He's more of like a straight line slasher. Um, 
like mm-hmm. a to use an NFL term that won't resonate with you, but uh, he's like a one cut running back. You know, it's like he makes his move, and if that lane is there, layman layman can finish. But if it's not, he doesn't mm-hmm. have a ton of counters and a ton of different moves. And Rodney, for um, for all his for his slights, has a ton of moves. Like he he posts guys up. He'll do a little hesitation. He'll pull up. He'll drive to the rim. You know, he's got um, sort of more in his bag than than Layman does. And mm-hmm. and and adding that, you know, you can easily play them together. And adding that dimension is something that the Blazers definitely didn't have. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to make about Rodney Hood's defense. I, I can't say it stood out one way or the other, so maybe that's o- okay. Maybe I haven't paid that close attention to him defensively. He's certainly long yeah. and kind of rangy. He, he doesn't but, get their super tough assignments, so it makes me think that uh, yeah. the Blazers don't view him as a really good defender. Not to say they like shy away from him, but but say like mm-hmm. against OKC, like he probably spent four possessions on Paul George, and they were like, okay, anyone, anyone else? Mo Harkless raises. Yeah, his exactly. Hand. Mo sprints off the bench, <laughs> tightens his headband. <laughs> me, coach, put me in. <laughs> <laughs> and he's their best sort of wing defender. So. Totally, and, and and between him and Amino, it's like that's like even against yeah. the Pistons, we saw that same thing. Like they put Mo Harkless on Reggie Jackson, so when they would do that initial pick and roll, like between Jackson and Blake, then you got Mo on on Griffin. You know, it's like that. That's. That was their preference all night. Is um, so I, I think you're right. Is that we don't neither of those guys um, scream to me really elite defender. I I worry that you can't play Ennis Cantor in the playoffs. Period. That would be my biggest concern about him. I think Rodney's game translates, although he's pretty streaky, so he could have some bad nights. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair concern. Um, you know, Billy Donovan did get a lot out of playing lineup with Steven Adams and Cantor together, what, like two seasons ago in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if the Blazers really have the personnel to sort of replicate that. Um, but I recall that being kind of a really interesting, like, super Super giant lineup, yeah. I, even then, um, it's like... But, but, I, but I don't, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, even then, I just feel like teams, when you get in those series, like, teams are just going to say, okay, he can't do this. And, and the, what you in the playoffs, what you can't do... Just kind of what I hate about like the way we talk about basketball now. We like get we like lose sight of what people can do, and we only talk about their shortcomings. But in the playoffs, those shortcomings get magnified, and I feel like Cantor's shortcomings are obvious enough that it could be an issue when we get there. Yep, yep. Reasonable concern to for Blazers to keep their eye out for. Yeah, let's let's actually talk about the playoffs here uh, in segment three. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys that uh, this is the number one podcast to play. On your morning commute, you know I'm a big proponent of morning commute lockdown blazers. So when you get in your car, tell your smart device, play podcast lockdown blazers, improve your commute, improve your day. Listen to me yammer about the blazers. Tell your smart car, play lockdown blazers every time you hop in there. All right, Charles. Welcome back to uh, good old segment three, where we're going to talk about the playoffs. Um, blazers haven't Heck clinched, yeah. uh, but. I think they they can. Sacramento is going to lose, looks like, as we're recording this on a Sunday evening. They're down 15 to the Lakers, so nothing certain. But if Sacramento were to lose, the Blazers would, uh, they would be their magic number would be down to one. So they could clinch on against Brooklyn, or they'll just clinch next week at some point. But they're making the playoffs. Um, who do you who do you think is the best playoff matchup for the Blazers to face? The best team for them to face in the playoffs, and why? Um, with all sort of 
quite literally all possible opponents or, or maybe likely. I would say likely, likely opponents. opponents. I, let's assume that they are not going to play Denver or Denver. They're probably not going to play Denver or uh, Golden State. But Golden any State. of the other teams, I guess, reasonably they could end up playing. Yeah. Um, you know, as things currently stand, the matchup for 4-5 is, is Blazers home court advantage against the Clippers. Um, I, I would say that's actually... Yeah, that's a miracle, right? Um, that's that's excellent matchup um, because I I don't feel very good about the Thunder. No, I think that's a really um, tough matchup. I think in in a playoff series when you can just play your two stars for forty five minutes a night, that's going to be really tough for the Blazers. Yeah, I guess I also wouldn't want to play the Rockets um, because James Harden is. Uh, I mean, like you know, <laughs> apparently he tires out in playoffs, but um, <laughs> uh, in, in, until he tires out, he's going to be dropping fifty on. Yeah, you. I mean, twice he's tired out in the Western Conference Finals, so like you know, that's yeah. <laughs> that's not Blazers the first ain't round that far recently. So yeah, he definitely did get exhausted that one year against the Spurs, um, but they're di- they're different now. You know, they have Chris Paul; they can give him a little bit of rest. Uh, I do think Harden's game, t- the way he plays and demands to play. It's tough to just do that for 80 games and then try to get into the playoffs. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that's a brutal matchup. And I think uh, when I had Jason Quick on here, he pointed out there's like there's a mental challenge of guarding Harden and what he's going to get away with and how many like just whack foul calls he's going to draw on you because he's so good at it. Like he's going to wear you down mentally with mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Almost almost in a way that I feel like chasing Steph Curry around and he just hits circus shots from, from 40 feet Totally, away. you play good defense. Just, just has to be deflated. Yeah, you play good defense and you, st- and you still get burned, and it's just like that's, that's tough. So what about Utah? Would you think, how would you think about the Blazers do against Utah? Uh, I think that would be a pretty solid matchup. I don't, um, I don't see Utah as being as, as coherent and consistent this year as they were last season. Totally. Um, even, th- even though they put together – really great run in the playoffs last year and and we're, we're super tough honestly last year um but this year I, I think they've been a little up and down you know they still got big big man go bear down there um but but some of the other pieces haven't been as consistent i don't think donovan mitchell has sort of raised his game like maybe people thought but yeah i'm still super high on him i love him yeah he's good uh, but he's season. probably not he didn't take like a big leap this year he's just about the same level of very good player that he was yeah and, and that's probably okay because he's I think he does have that sort of like big game sort of mentality. Um, So he's always going to be able to take big shots, um, but he hasn't been as consistent this year. So I think that would be a a favorable matchup. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure I would pick the Blazers uh, to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were favored. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would feel good about that. It's just, it's just the thunder that kind of really, really scare me a little bit and I guess they haven't been in really great form recently but they've they've basically cleaned the Blazers clocks this whole, whole season 4-0 sweep yeah right? 4-0 sweep some of the games were the, close the but I agree they, they're better they're a t- they're not a matchup you want to see I just don't I, I think that's a bad matchup for the Blazers period I don't think they have a physical advantage with Steven Adams and Nurk uh I don't think that I think Nerland Zoel coming off the bench kind of negates some of what Cantor does. I think the Blazers don't have a great energy option against Jeremy Grant and obviously the two stars. It's like it just it's tough. It's that that's I think that's a that's a tough matchup for them. Um, it would be a fun series though. I mean, it would be entertaining as hell. But I don't I don't think the Blazers come out of that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Russell Westbrook Dame sort of. Yeah, he's been busting that ass for years, don't you know? <laughs> That's a pretty fun rivalry. So yeah, I think that would be a fun series, but I could see 
I could see the Blazers really struggling totally. and, and getting beat like five to one yeah. or something. I really could. Um, I well, they probably won't play five Georges. games, Charles, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four to one in five. Um, <laughs> they just, yeah, they just, just come back for one more schedule. Another game. Yeah, they come back for one more. That's how bad it's been. Uh, what do you think about the Spurs? I guess that's the last reasonable one they could play. You think, what would you think about the Blazers chances there? I would feel okay. The Spurs have been um, almost unstoppable at home this season, so that's not good. But it, it, it would look like the Blazers would likely have the home court advantage in that series. But the Spurs just execute. And I, there's been a bunch of chatter recently, almost of like surprise of the Spurs' success. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's it's the Spurs and it's Popovich. I mean, they only and have they, two they raise players all, who could start on most game. teams in the NBA. So there is some surprise. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised that Derek White's a really good player. I'm really not. And, it's and what it's they do. They turn out Derek White. I agree. They, they're they a point guard. They just fix point guards. They just find, like, combo-y guards and turn them into really good players. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So I'm not surprised by that. Like, I'm, I'm really not. Um, they're just a great program, top to bottom. So they're going to get the best out of people. Um, but I would feel good about that series, too, just because of some of the matchups. Same. I, I, I think that's – to me – um, I I don't I just don't see the Clippers finishing fifth, but you know it we're at, we're at ten games left, so like what I got at some point I got to believe that they're um, capable of doing that. But I think the Clippers and the Spurs are the two are my, the two teams that I think the Blazers would want to play the most. Then the Jazz. Then I don't know how to pick between the Thunder and the Rockets, but I know you don't want to play either of those teams. Right. Right, and with the Spurs, one final note, um, good storyline with LaMarcus Aldridge, of course. Oh, yeah, he wants to come playing, back, baby. Playing the Blazers. He wants He wants to come back. Yeah. What, he's, he's ready what, to come back do, to old Rip City at age 35. <laughs> what do fans make of that? those kind of comments? I didn't read that. I, I don't have an athletic subscription. Oh, dude, so. come on. It's worth the money. Just kidding. I'll, uh, I'll... Sorry, sorry, Jason Quick. <laughs> yeah, Jason, don't listen to this part. Um, no, uh, basically my read on what fans think is that there is a a vocal minority, but like very much a minority that says like, screw him. He, you know, he left us high and dry. And then there's like a lot of people that are like, no, he's tight. Like (laughs) he's tight. Bring him back. (laughs) Time heals. Yeah. Like there's like more than half of the people I feel like in my Twitter mentions are like, no, that's tight. Bring him back. I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I never had major beef with him leaving anyways. I mean, it seemed like most of the beef stemmed from just that one comment that he said he wanted to be the best player. Yeah, and then he just had such a a crap series against Memphis to close out his career here. And it was just like, oh, you're leaving and you just stunk and like maybe didn't try hard? Like, that's whack as hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't especially bummed really at the time because I knew Dame was a star um, and that the Blazers were still going to probably be in a good place yeah and that post um, even the, even though LaMarcus is a great yeah player. that post LaMarcus season when they won 44 games kind of out of nowhere was super fun that's like as fun as they've been until probably right now like until this stretch and even now it's like we haven't mentioned it but they're playing without CJ McCollum and it's like oh it's is it is this fun or is this a nightmare again <laughs> yeah that that's that's definitely a little worry as well um uh, how close CJ is being back um if he does come back what does he look like right um, and or does he not or does he choose not to rush back is he like actually my knees busted and i i can't come back and play in a month yeah i think that's yeah, on the I mean, table I, like I, I don't think he's going to play much if at all during the regular season i think it's on the table that he just isn't ready for the playoffs like just he's just not physically ready 
Have, has the team offered a um, uh, a formal update? They were, I guess, in theory, timeline was they were spo- timeline wise they were supposed to offer one today, um, but I kind of knew that they weren't going to offer one until tomorrow or maybe tomorrow after the game would be my guess. So maybe as late as Tuesday. He's supposed to be quote unquote reevaluated in a week, um, but I knew right. that came out last Sunday afternoon. I knew a week also included this Nets game. There was no way in my mind when I read that press release that it didn't also include this Nets game. So we'll see. Um, Terry kind of pushed back when people were asking about a timeline in like a weird way to being like, he gets reevaluated every day. Um, but my read on it is that we'll know. Yeah. He's, he can be really difficult. Well, like, well, what's the evaluation? Yeah. Then? It's like, come on, dog. Like, just like, you got to say one way or another, or, but you can't mock the question. Um, so yeah, I assumed, I assumed Monday or Tuesday we'll know more. So this, this is going to come out Monday morning. So maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, we'll know more on CJ and I will talk about it for the Tuesday pod. How about that guys? Promise. Very cool, very cool. All right, uh, we're going to get out of here, Charles. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. If you are looking for this pod, y'all, we're everywhere. We are in the Himalaya podcast app, a new podcast app that I got to highly recommend. They got curated playlists and new features every day, so check them out. We're also on Google Play. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Everywhere where you get podcasts, just search Locked on Blazers. And don't forget, when you get in your car, Tell your smart device, play Lockdown Blazers. Blazers play the Nets this evening. We didn't talk about that game. I'll talk a bunch about it tomorrow on the Tuesday's pod. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you soon.